Time to travel with Karen Key. Well, joining me this evening is Monique Lamberg, and she's just recently had the rather fabulous experience of spending a week <laughs> in Mauritius, and uh, by all accounts, rather a very different type of holiday to, I think, what she was expecting in certain aspects. <laughs> and I'm surprised she's actually made it here this evening because uh, she I don't think she managed to cope with too much while she was there. I think she said to me, these hotels that offer an all-you-can-eat buffet. Not a plan. Monique, hello. Welcome to the show. Hi, Corinne. Thank you. Thanks so for the, having first me. Of all, tell me about this hotel with the all-you-can-eat all buffet. You okay. said not such a plan. First of all, it was my partner who won a trip, um, and we ended up going. This was the 1st of October. And... Um, yeah, you know, you sort of go with these ex expectations of everything being sort of so beautiful and really romantic and you're going to be going for walks on the beach and seeing the stars and the moon and, well, you get there, there are five restaurants. First of all, I'm not good at decision making. <laughs> Where did you stay? Which hotel were you at? We went to um, a resort called Sugar Beach. Okay, all right. And how it works is there's two resorts, there's La Pirogue and Sugar Beach. They kind of joined and um, you can kind of sort of, you know, go between the two as far as the restaurants go, the beach goes, the bars go. So they gave you almost double the amount of choice then. They do. Oh, my goodness. They okay, do, all right. I understand is, your problem which, now. <laughs> which is really not good for a Libra. Okay, so what happened? Uh, well, anyway, we got there. The, the, the most awful thing was, you know, we, the flight was only at uh, 1 o'clock in the afternoon from leaving from Cape Town Airport. And we got there at about, must have been about nine o'clock. And, um, but then you add the two hours. So by the time you get back to the hotel after the bit sort of, you know, bit strange uh, a taxi drive for an hour, which again is only about 30 or 40 kilometers, but taxi drivers and bus drivers are either very fast or very slow. But anyway, it took a, about an hour. Got there and, you know, you're a bit disorientated. You don't know where you are and where everything is and where your room is and it was about quarter past 11 then you have about 500 people coming you know and saying oh my goodness happy happy you know welcome and um this is your this is your breakfast menu and this is your lunch menu and this is where your room is you're just absolutely overwhelmed by the the hospitality it's it's actually like i say it's almost overwhelming you sort of get there and you're seeing stars already Anyway, we get down to our, um, our beautiful, beautiful room overlooking the beach. And um, the first thing I say to Anton is, we have to go for a cocktail. I'm not going to bed without a cocktail tonight. <laughs> so he says to me, yes, I agree. It's sort of things are all sprawled over the room and everything. And we start walking and we just hear these, like, you know, noises and vibes and music. And we end up at a place called Tides. Anyway, we have one cocktail and, well, that was me finished. Okay, now I really have to go to bed been a very long day. The next morning you wake up and they've got all the all the brochures in the room and um, I said to him okay just give me an hour I need to go through these brochures because you know obviously you want to know where to go and what to do and there's just too much choice. Too much choice Karen really. There's about five six restaurants in Sugar Beach and then there's another two or three on the other side at La Pirogue. And every day you sort of just you're waiting for your next <laughs> meal. <laughs> it's just absolutely awful. But when you told me this initially, I did mention to you that nobody was forcing you to eat all that stuff, Bonnie. <laughs> Corin, you don't understand. It is seafood and it's crab and it's prawns and it's things that look so pretty you're scared to touch. It's just absolutely amazing. And there's just so many things you want to try. 
because obviously it's all new and everything is done in such you know in such a different way to what we used to oh Corin so anyway it's sort of like lunchtime okay great let's go to the citronella or let's go our favorite place was tides for lunch and then you'd sort of like sort of stumble out there and go okay should we go for a fun boat ride or maybe should we go and just lie at the pool for two hours <laughs> because you're so full. And you start sipping on these gorgeous cocktails at 12 o'clock. And basically you just sip right through the, you know, the day, right through till 12 o'clock. And you just sort of on this mellow vibe all the time because there's just no limitations to anything. Now you're waiting for dinner. Yes, and then we're going to go back, you know, then obviously I need my two hours to get ready and put my special outfit on and my makeup and he'll sit outside and have a drink while he's waiting for me to do my thing. <laughs> and then we'd, you know, then they'd have this amazing buffet at night. Also, just ridiculous amounts of, it's just ridiculous. It, it, you don't even know where to start. We'd actually sort of go into the place, we'd go down to the buffet and we'd go do a squiz around and then go sit down to think about it. Before we <laughs> I'm oh, being dead serious. But there were also theme evenings, which just made it worse. It was, yeah. First night, okay, we arrived on the Tuesday. That was the night of the one cocktail and crash. The second night was an authentic Mauritian buffet. And it was just all, just, wow, things that were so unusual. And everyone is just so friendly. And it, everyone's got their little, um, you know, their little specific area. Like the one guy that's in he's the chef for the, the meat and then you've got the, the salad lady and, and they're all standing there going, oh, you must try this, oh, you must try this, oh, you must try that. And I'm going, whoa, actually, just this is just, you, know, you don't even know where to go or what to do. They're just all so amazing, absolutely amazing. So the second night was Mauritian. The third night, we decided to go early and have a very small plate of food so we could actually go have a dance afterwards and not go back to the room and pass out <laughs> from overeating. I have to mention, before, before people wonder about this, I have to tell you, Monique is this disgustingly thin person who apparently can eat all this stuff and doesn't seem to affect her. The rest of us, of course, would come, wouldn't even fit on the plane coming home if we had to eat like that. But... You know, one of those people that can just eat as much as she likes. Thank you, Corin. Right. I don't think that's true, but it's anyway. It's perfectly true. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, so Wednesday was sort of like, okay, we decided, no, it wasn't, it, it, sorry, it was the Thursday night. We decided just to have a little bit, and then we were going to go have a bit of a dance. How did that work out for you? It was hard. <laughs> it was really difficult. <laughs> but we managed. We had a glass of wine, we had a small plate of food, and we actually went off um, to Tides to, to, you know, to just to have a little bit of a dance and have some energy. <laughs> we met amazing people that night, some um, lovely English, English couples. Then the next night was Friday, and they had a Lebanese. And that was really interesting. It was really strange foods. I loved it. Anton was a bit scared by the look of a few things. I was going to say, it didn't sound like it stopped you, though. No, it didn't stop oh, me. Right. No, okay. it was mm -hmm. wonderful. Sunday was my birthday, so Saturday night we decided we were going to go out and have a little, you know, little party till 12 and then celebrate. So that night we decided just to stay at Tides and, and stay far away from the buffet. Sunday was my birthday. Um, I just had the most amazing day ever. In fact, it was actually my favorite day of the, all the six, six full days we had in Mauritius. I decided that morning I wanted to be a Mauritian for the day. 
So I said to Anton, you're going to come and be a Mauritian with me for the day. And he's like, no, you can actually do this by yourself because I'm going to go scuba dive and he's going to go do all his things that he's wanted to do. And I want I, people to know that you did do other stuff other than eat. Absolutely. You didn't There's just so eat. so much okay. to do. So oh people are getting a bit worried goodness. about this no. now, you know. There's so much. Everything's included. I mean, every day we made a point of doing something. There's this crazy little boat called the Fun Boat. It's like a mini sort of sailing boat, and you sort of know, need to know how to sail, but but you don't have to, and it, it, it can be interesting. Then the one day we did the pedal boating, but what's amazing is the water is so shallow all the way to the reef, so you can actually get out. It, it's about, gosh... I don't want to lie, but probably a kilometre of flat water. It's almost like a big dam in front of the reef where the waves break. It's beautiful. And then you get out of the fun boat and you can see all the coral underneath and you can see the starfish and just absolutely gorgeous. On the Saturday, we went to um, a little town where we, we got onto a, a catamaran for the day. It was a catamaran cruise. That day... We spent the entire day on the catamaran and it was a fish fry on the boat and we actually jumped off the, off the catamaran and we snorkeled oh, and you see these schools of fish, um, I just remember blue and yellow, just thousands and thousands blue and yellow fish, just absolutely amazing, an amazing sight. And you can actually see the bottom of the, the water, you know, you can, it's just colours and it's corals and it's big anemones and just too gorgeous for words. Then we were really spoiled because we had a, a school of dolphins. Oh, that, 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 that is really special. Absolutely, right next to the boat, following us for, gosh, it must have been at least a half a kilometre. And I've actually got loads of photos of the dolphins jumping out the water and showing off and doing their thing, just magical, absolutely magical. As beautiful, or if not more beautiful than you actually expect. And the mountains, you know, it's... it's. At one stage, I actually said to Anton, we could be in Heart Bay. There's a part of it that looks similar to... With the mountains? The mountains and the sea. It looks similar to the Heart Bay beach, not the beach, the actual... The actual ocean, the ocean and, and the mountains in the background. So he still laughed and he said to me, maybe, you know, maybe people actually think we're in Heart Bay. We could have lied. We didn't have to spend, <laughs> we didn't have to, well, we didn't spend the money because he won the trip. But, um, you know, we, you can actually do that. If, go to Heart Bay, certain, take some pictures and say, well, I was I'm in Mauritius. telling you. Yeah, certain directions, you know, could have just been, it actually could have just been Heart Bay. But it, it, it's just... Amazing, amazingly beautiful. Now it's your birthday yeah. and you wanted to be a Mauritian for a day. <clears throat> so I decided, yeah, the Sunday morning we had a breakfast brought to the Obviously. room. Just a small one. Oh, okay. <laughs> All the tropical fruits. Um, and then I decided I wanted to go into a real Mauritian little town. I want to go see the real stuff, the real, the way they live. So I went to go ask a couple of the Mauritian um, waiters and waitresses and people we'd gotten to, we'd, you know, sort of gotten to know. And um, we met an amazing guy called Antish. And he said to me, go to, go to a place called Quatre Barnes. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce it. Because there's a huge Mauritian, authentic Mauritian uh, market there on a Sunday between... 
I think 12 and 5. Go on the on the real Mauritian bus, you know, don't take the taxis. So I was like, okay, put my little summer dress on and my big straw hat and my glasses and off I go. So I'm standing outside Sugar Beach. And you're on your own at this I, point. No, 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 I'm totally on my own. I want to do this by myself. And Anton's gone off deep sea fishing or He's something. He's gone to scuba dive and fish and, um, you know, men are not sort of too keen on hectic markets. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Anyway, so I'm standing outside Sugar Beach and there's about five taxis with, you know, the, the taxi drivers standing outside very keen to pick up some passengers. So I keep getting, you know, these guys coming up to me and they're saying, hello, madam, hello, madam, come, special price, special price. I'm like, no, I'm waiting for the bus. And he's going, really? Are you really waiting for the bus? I'm like, yes, I'm really waiting for the bus. But madam, are you sure? I'm like thinking, what is he on about? <laughs> so eventually the bus comes and it's got a big sign outside. It says Quatraban, uh, Or I get on and um, pretty much looks like a Cape Town Golden Arrow bus. It pretty much, so I'm thinking, oh, this is pretty okay. I can do this. Get on and there's about three people at the stage. There's the bus driver. There's the man who, who uh, you know, goes around and takes the money and does the, all the tickets. Um, he's got this, like, really punky short hairstyle, and he's, he's got a cell phone sort of attached to his head somewhere, not in any way that we've seen before. And we start just going at a normal pace. Um, then we reach a little town called Flick and Flack. Gorgeous little town as well. We could have actually walked there, but um, that day, obviously, I didn't. And he stops outside in Flick and Flack. There's... The resorts and Flick and Flack beaches are sort of all interconnected. But outside Flick and Flack, there's all these little stalls and people sitting outside drinking the local rum. And it's, it's really vibey and it's just got this amazing electric atmosphere. So we stop. This was our first stop. Stop at Flick and Flack. It says bus stop and also obviously bus stop in French, whatever it was. This guy gets out the bus. This is the driver now. This is the driver. He gets out the bus, pushes this huge heavy door that's creaking and cranking, jumps down, and I'm thinking, okay, um, obviously they're changing drivers, or maybe he's just sipping off to the loo. Or He goes to this little shack on the beach. We can see it from the, from the bus. It's a burger and... A burger and, and, and a chip joint, a sort of, you know, like a takeaway place. He buys this huge lunch in a polystyrene takeaway dish. He sits down on the brick wall and he takes 25 minutes to eat his lunch while all his passengers are waiting on the bus. So but, if, but you, if you catch now, a bus here in South Africa, do not ever complain the bus <laughs> takes too long to get somewhere. Honestly. Never. But I'm now sort of thinking, I've got four hours for this market. If this carries on, this is apparently an hour, 50, minute to, 50 minutes to, to a 60-minute trip. Might I add for about 25 kilometers? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I've been told. But you hadn't factored in the lunch but break. Now I'm panicking because I'm thinking, well, by the time I get there, am I even going to have time to shop? So I'm now sitting, contemplating, should I get off? Should I get on? Should I get off? Maybe I should just walk back to the hotel. But there was, you, you weren't the only passenger at this point. There was no. a little man on there with you as well. <laughs> there's about five passengers at this stage. And there's this 
little wrinkled old Mauritian man sitting directly in front of me. So I'm really, I'm honestly not knowing what to do now because I'm thinking, okay, this is just really not going according to plan. So I tap him on his shoulder and I go, excuse me, um, yes, very quiet, obviously couldn't, you know, speak English very fluently. Um, I said, excuse me, is this normal? So he doesn't say much and he just shakes his head and he goes, um, yes. So I'm like, okay, well, guess I just have to be patient then. Anyway, 20, 25 minutes, man hops back on and we carry on with our trip. Well, Corin, I'm, I'm telling you, it must have been, this guy must have been going, I don't want to exaggerate, but about 40 kilometers an hour. If, but you tell me they, they stop every how many feet down the road, meters down the road. every 500 meters, there's a bus stop. But now these people start piling on and you think, is there another level to this bus that I just never noticed? Because <laughs> I'm seriously thinking, I, I don't know, maybe racks at the top. Or You wanted to be a Mauritian for a day. <laughs> Um, you know, no sympathy here at all. Not at all. Anyway. But at this stage, I'm quite enjoying it. And I'm thinking, if I get to the market, it's fine. And if I don't, actually, this is fine as well. You've I'm, had quite an experience. I'm kind, of, kind of getting into this whole thing. Anyway, 500 meters, we stop. 500 meters, we stop. And the people are just piling on. We get to a little shopping center. Actually, there was a pick and pay, which I was quite amazed Gosh, by. Okay. Pick and pay. So you might have very well been in Heart Bay. Yes, I could have been. <laughs> I absolutely could have been at this stage. Anyway, so this is obviously one of the main pickup points. And he stops outside this little shopping center. And um, about another 20 people climb onto the bus. But no one's getting off at any point. No, 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 no. Oh. No one's getting off. Um, I'm, I'm assuming that there's like this, you know, beautiful destinations that everyone's going to or they're either going home after work at the stage just completely clueless anyway so we sort of go around the the the, the shopping center and all of a sudden it's it's like literally all of a sudden you just see you see nothing you just see cane fields and sort of you know just everything's rural all of a sudden within like two minutes of the journey and does this bus take bus driver take off. So he's suddenly found the accelerator. No, 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 he has now found the accelerator and I don't know if he's trying to make up lost <laughs> but I am now really, I'm breaking out in a sweat and mm. I'm holding onto the rails and I'm just thinking, I, I, I actually, actually I'm not thinking, I don't know what to think at this stage. And I'm sitting there and you're literally sort of like falling from one side to another and I'm holding my bags and it's going, you know, it's, it's, it felt like a roller coaster ride. It was actually really, really, really quite, quite, a, you know, sort of your, got your adrenaline going. So anyway, after about two minutes, I'm thinking, my God, is, is, he, is he late for something or is he, you know, is he just all of a sudden, is he, is he okay? Did he maybe have a beer or two down there on the beach? I wasn't quite <laughs> sure. <laughs> And it's only kicked in now because you've it's been going for a while. Okay, after the beach situation. Okay. So this little man is sort of bobbing around in front of me in the seat because he's so tiny and thin and old. <laughs> so I again knock him on the shoulder and I say, um, "Excuse me." He turns around, smiles at me with his about two teeth left in his his mouth, and I said, "Is this normal, Corin? This is when I just I just this was the point where I was just so happy I did." what I did. 
He turns around to me and he says, Oh, madame, sometimes fast, sometimes slow. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay, this is, this is just the beginning of a really, really exciting adventure. And so off, you know, off we carry on going like lunatic, like a lunatic. <laughs> These cane fields. You know, you sort of like, you know, on those cartoons where you see the... The, <laughs> the road the runner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sort of like <laughs> bending over to, as the bus is going past. This is how I felt. <laughs> Eventually it did take about 50 minutes and um, we got to this place called Cotrabans. And now I'm sort of quite nervous because I'm thinking, I see this market, but it just goes on forever. And, you know, you just don't know where to enter and you don't know you, anywhere. We get there, I get off, and this sweet little man sort of says, come, come. And I'm thinking, come where? And he very sort of like, I'm walking behind him, but he's walking really fast. And I'm sort of trying to keep up with him. And I'm walking behind him and thinking, where's he taking me? Shaman, really, really, really sweet. He takes me to the entrance of the main market. And then he goes, goodbye. And that <laughs> was it. <laughs> that was it, Karen. So was it worth? I mean, you obviously it made it. The market had been closed by uh, that point. You know, it was actually it was about it was about half past three, so I had a good hour and a half of market time, which I was really happy about. And then the market was just absolutely oh, just it's just beautiful. You you don't even know where to start. It's just these tiny little Mauritian men sitting with silk rolls of material behind them, and these little Mauritian ladies. Most of them are Hindus, so they've you know they've got the bindi, I think on their foreheads and then you've got the next stall where it's all sort of younger Mauritian guys and they do all the handcrafted wooden little boxes and uh, the dodo bird which is the extinct bird the mm. extinct but it's the national bird of Mauritius so you just you, you you've got from little stalls where they've got all the wooden the wooden handmade crafted little ornaments and then you've got the materials, and then you've got these strange, strange food stores where you just don't even, you don't go near. I just thought, no, I'm not, I'm not even trying those things because I was, you, know, you don't even know what half of them are. But if they'd been on the buffet, and you would have given it a shot. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And the most amazing thing is I honestly did not take a lot of money to spend. In fact, quite honestly, I only took a thousand rand because I knew everything was all inclusive. Um, and a thousand rand equates to about just over 3,000 Mauritian rupees. Well, Karen, I needed extra seat when I came back from this market. I had so many things. I, I honestly did. It was just, I was, I was so pleased with myself. <laughs> excited yeah and then at about 10 past five quarter past five they all start packing up and but everyone is just happy and they've got smiles on their face and they warm and just what beautiful people what beautiful people you just feel so you know just so welcomed I know you um, were very excited before you left about going. Did this meet your expectations? More was so. it more more, more, than, so. more so? It's more beautiful. Honestly, I think it's, it's the actual Mauritians that make it though. They are such hardworking people. Nothing is too much work for them. Nothing is too much for them. And then the best part of my day was still was still to come. Anyway, we took a. We obviously had to take a bus back about quarter past five. I, I jumped on the bus again, and I still thought when I got on. 
I was I was the only person, but obviously I'm sort of, you know, a Cape Tonian. I'm jumping on and, you know, thinking it's now going to leave at 20 past because that's what they said. Well, <laughs> it, it only left about 25 minutes later. And it was so full, it was crazy. You have this local bus, you have this, it was the same driver and the same ticket man with this cell phone hanging in a really odd, bizarre way off his ear with some string or something holding it. It was really strange. Um, the bus driver, thank God he didn't stop for afternoon tea. I was about to ask. <laughs> we went straight back quite slowly and he sort of did a bit of few, few fast stints, but not as bad as on the way there. But the weirdest thing to me was after about 10 minutes, he'd sort of collected everyone from the local little area and he puts this loud, loud techno Indian music on. Karen, it was like a disco in a bus, a nightclub in a bus. <laughs> You've got these Mauritians, they're all, 90% of them are Hindu, so you can imagine pinks and blues and bindis and kids running around, they're laughing, and you've got this Indian music banging away, you know, in, in the bus, and this guy going crazy through the cane fields, and it's just it's not going to happen on a Golden Arrow bus in Cape Town. Let me just tell you that up front. It was wonderful. It was, it was wonderful. Anyway, I eventually, I actually got back to Sugar Beach in one piece with my thousands of packets of Mauritian items. When I got back, I, I, walked, uh, I walked back to the room first. And Anton was sitting on the little patio having a drink waiting for me. He looks at my watch and he says, where have you been? I've been so worried. You know, because now it's quite late. I said the, it ends at five, but not knowing it takes another hour and then it's, you know, stopping a thousand times. Oh, and I forgot to mention all the houses on the way in between Sugar Beach, the resorts, and and the market, Quatre Barns. The houses are all just colours, colours. There's, there's turquoise houses. There's it's pink like... houses. They park their car on their patios. <laughs> I promise you. And you have these little Mauritian boys outside on their little lawns, which are not very neatly manicured, playing with these big wooden balls. And everything is, it is very third world, but it's it's beautiful at the same time. The colour is very much like the Boer Carp here in Cape Town, it's that like kind Boer of thing. It's like Boer Carp. It mm. gave me a, a Cuban feel. That's the oh, feel right, I get. Okay. I felt like I could have been in Cuba that Gosh, day. Gosh, you were first in Hart Bay, now you're in Cuba. <laughs> you were actually in Mauritius with the buffet tables you, you and the buses. You know that. Okay. <laughs> Right. Oh goodness. So it was a it was really it was a wonderful experience and you know, everyone goes, Don't go into the other side because it's it's dirty and it's you know, it's crazy, it's nonsense. It's it's you actually have to do it. To be a Mauritian you for a day. You actually have to be a Mauritian for a day. Because the beach is all very well. It's fabulous. But, but it it's is, that's not but it's authentic not, Mauritian. It's not real. Mm. You walk into the resort and you actually you realise that this is just it's all just for tourists and to obviously, you know, to bring in money for the country. <laughs> oh, Karen, it was just, it was wonderful. I was in a total high when I got back from this whole experience. And then the night ended off absolutely beautifully where we went to dinner. We went to buffet. <laughs> oh, gosh, I would never, never have thought of that. Okay. Myself and Anton went down at about, um, about half past seven that night. And it was actually my birthday that day, as I've mentioned about probably a thousand times now. And then they bring us a big chocolate cake to the table with all candles. And it says, happy birthday, Monique. And they all stood around and sang happy birthday. And it's, they just absolutely amazing 
And eventually after dinner that night, when we went back to our, it was, it was actually sort of like, not a room, it was, it was an area where you have your own almost little apartment mm. onto the beach. I got back and the entire room had Frangipani flowers everywhere. There was barely a surface you could see. Corin, it was... Oh, the smell must have just been amazing. Oh, it was just beautiful. It was just bright pink and yellow and white Frangipanis everywhere. All over the beds, on the floor, all along the headboards. And a big note saying, Happy birthday and hope you've had a wonderful day from all the Mauritian staff. And just they just make you feel... They actually make you feel like you're the only person that's staying there. It's honestly beautiful and there was one other thing that was really special I, I mentioned the the head waiter Antish uh. he actually bought me a personal present it was a a clay it says welcome on it you know one of those things that you hang outside your oh, right outside you, on, your, on, by your front door by your front mm. door owls and sort of leaves and everything and it says welcome and then he just he wrote a personal note saying how wonderful it was to have us there I mean I just thought my god have I made an impression or <laughs> Well, probably you sort of increased their sort of you know, having to buy in more local produce because of your forays onto the buffet table. But uh. it was just a, it was one of the nicest birthdays I've had in a, a long time. It was very special. The days go too quickly, you know. You sort of mm. blink your eyes, and then it's Monday, and we were leaving on the Tuesday, and then you have to get back into sort of reality again. Sounds like you had a fabulous time, and um, hopefully the listeners all enjoyed hearing about your adventures oh, in God, Mauritius, so. being Mauritian for a day. <laughs> And it sounds absolutely fantastic. Monique, thank you so much for coming to tell us about your trip. Oh, pleasure, Corinne. Really enjoyed chatting with you. I was chatting there with Monique Lamberg, who, as you heard, has just come back from a fabulous time in Mauritius. And uh, if you enjoy the kinds of things she did, it obviously sounds like the thing you need to do. It's not that far from South Africa. It doesn't take you that long to get there. And... Um, as she said, most things are included. There obviously are certain water sports that don't come with the package deals. But uh, if you enjoy sun, sea, food and um, water sports, <laughs> definitely the place for you to go for a good relaxing holiday. Time to travel with Karen Key. Captain Steve Allwright is a British Airways training captain on the Boeing 747-400 and he's been a professional pilot since 1990. He's in South Africa currently to run the British Airways Flying with Confidence course and it's something that I think a lot of us possibly don't ever admit to is being a little bit anxious when we get on board a plane but hopefully Captain Allwright's going to put that all our minds at rest at the moment. Captain Allwright, good evening, welcome to the show. A very good evening to you. Now, you've written a book, you've co-authored a book called Flying with Confidence, The Proven Program to Fix Your Flying Fears. A clinical psychologist friend of mine once told me that I would possibly feel a little better about flying if I was in control of the plane. But I think what he really meant was if I knew more about what was going on when the plane was flying. And I think that's what you're basically wanting to, to inform us about, giving us all that inside information. That's absolutely correct. Yes, lack of control is a, is a major contributor to a flying phobia. And we address that in the first section of our course, what we call the technical session, primarily by getting people to understand how pilots are selected, the rigorous selection, the training they undergo, and most importantly, the constant testing that we undergo every six months. Uh, we have to go in a simulator for two days and pretty much surrender our flying license and, what, and the message from that is that you know that trust the professionals you know we are the most regulated profession on the planet and and that 
is, is very much aimed at towards those people that have control issues, which isn't everybody. Um, so for the others, the information you, you mentioned about noises and, and sensations and the, you know, even the little ding-dong, you know, and the fact that's not an imminent disaster, that's just Kathy ringing up for some more interviews from Jane. <laughs> She's run out of the back on our interphone system and so on and so forth. You know, it's, it's, it's that lack of knowledge is, is, um, is, a, is a really also a key contributor. I remember the very first time I flew many, many years ago, and I, for some reason, ended up with a window seat right on the wing. And I remember looking out the window and thinking, why is everything moving? All the bits that's going to mm. fall off. The wing is about to fall off. And obviously it didn't fall yeah. off, but it was really nice to read in your book exactly yeah. what happens, why the bits and pieces of the wing actually move. Yes, indeed. That's right. Well, one of the, we, we talk about the theory of flight. We explain lift and how the, the wing actually is more important than the engines when it comes to flying. You know, the, an airplane will glide for 100 miles from 30,000 feet perfectly well and in control. And so we explain about the, the flaps and slats and how we need to make the wing bigger uh, when we're flying more slowly for takeoff and landing than we do in the cruise when we're obviously flying a lot faster. And so, you know, all those things that people didn't understand before that uh, made them anxious, that suddenly by understanding what's going on. Madame Curie once said, nothing in life is to be feared, it is only to be understood. And, and that's um, very much where we're coming from on the the technical session of the day. No, I said clearly that that, that isn't the whole picture, though, because we can't in two or three hours just sell to people and say, well, OK, that's how it all works. I'm sure you're fine now, because it takes some time to process that information. But also it's very important that people are calm and are able to think logically about what's going on. And so the other section of the day is the psychological session where we explain, you know, the physiology of of any phobia, fight or flight mechanism reacting inappropriately in this case, and, and crucially teaching techniques to enable people to take control of their bodies, of their mind and all the dreadful thoughts they're having, uh, so that they then can think more logically about whatever triggered that and, and the actual true explanation from what they've learned in the in the earliest part of the day. Because as a, as a species, we have the most fabulous imagination. And I mean, especially when it comes to things like Indeed. turbulence, for example, you know, it, it's must, mm. people literally freak out when the plane starts dropping due to turbulence. So yeah, I mean, without doubt, the number one factor that is sort of common thread amongst our participants is, you know, a fear of turbulence. And actually, out of all the things that you, you could or should be fearful of on an aeroplane, it's the, the least uh, of concern to pilots. You know, it's actually 100% safe. You've got a seatbelt on. Um, the aircraft is built so strongly that it's never going to break up in service, never has, never will. And, and, and so it really just needs for that to be explained, you know, what causes turbulence, uh, which affect, in, in one word, is nature. And that's evidenced by the fact that, you know, what a baby's doing turbulence. They go to sleep because we actually create turbulence by rocking them normally. And these sort of messages are extremely important, to, you know, to put together the whole picture. So you're just trying to rock us gently. Is that what you're saying? It's not really anything to be afraid of. <laughs> I'll think it, of that it, it next really, time. It really isn't. It really isn't. I, I mean, I, I sort of take that one step further. So having explained to people what causes it and the fact that the designers of aircraft know exactly how bad it could, it, it could get or how severe it could get, 
that the aeroplane will never break up. So the aeroplane is always safe. So all you have to master is, is to control your, your reaction to that slight dropping feeling, which actually is only a few feet, maybe 10 feet at the most. You know, jump off a 10-foot building with your eyes closed, you're going to feel like you're, you're dropping. But also to combine that with the understanding of lift earlier in the day and the fact that the wings will always continue to provide lift, even if you know, the, the air is, is slightly choppy, just like a, a rough sea, for example. So, you know, I would take it one step further and say to the people, please don't leave the room ever again hoping for a smooth flight. I don't get on my aeroplane when I go to work hoping for a smooth flight. I accept that just like you getting in a car on a bumpy road, you don't get in a car and think, oh, it's, I hope it's not a bumpy road today. <laughs> you know, you know, it's part of, of road travel and, and turbulence is part of air travel, which is 100% safe. The thing about doing the course flying with confidence, it will give to a lot of people, is that I think a number of people out there, and I'll include myself in this, possibly don't like, when I'm telling the world now, possibly don't like to talk about the fact that they're not that comfortable when they get onto a plane. And there's always this little thing in the back of their mind. And they think, gosh, I must be the only one that feels like this. But doing a course mm. like this, you realize mm. you're not actually alone. And, and I think you were mentioning there's quite mm. a number of people that have this fear. Absolutely. It, it, it's a, a huge factor in in the success of the day is the group therapy aspect because um as i say one in ten probably on every aircraft uh in the sky and there's about a million people airborne every second of every minute of every day but it is actually feeling just the same but because they don't want to make a scene they don't want to feel silly or embarrassed you know you don't they don't make a they don't let other people know. So when they come on the course, they meet all these other people that feel just the same as they do, and they suddenly realise they're not alone and they're not actually quite as abnormal as they thought they were. It's getting some understanding of, of aviation that they, that they can then move forward in their lives. Because in the book, just to go back to the book again, um, there was, I think Patricia's section of the book was things like regulating your breathing and relaxing your muscles and all the practical mm. ways of, of actually being able to calm yourself down. And I think we have to at some point take responsibility here and try and do something for ourselves. We get on the plane, we realize that we have this fear. And I also enjoyed this little comment at the right at the beginning of your book. It says, never surrender to fear as it will steal your mm. life. And you know, if we don't want Indeed. to get on the plane, we're going to be literally homebound we're not going to be able to travel we won't be able to go anywhere we need to kind of come to terms mm. of this if we can and courses like this are amazing to try and help us get over this yes indeed i mean the, 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 one of the reasons the course works is because people uh, have committed an amount of money to to come along to get better all they need is tools and and that's what i provide on the on my team provides on the day they provide a toolkit. This is how I explain it. I say, look, here's here's a toolkit. You know, there's knowledge. There's about the noises, about turbulence, about pilot training, about the theory of flight. And there's all this knowledge. And there's also these psychological um, tools, these relaxation techniques of breathing, muscle squeezing, and various other uh, techniques that we cover. And these are all tools in this toolkit that I offer on the table when people come on the course. But, as you quite correctly say, it is up to the individual to get their hands dirty, to get into the toolbox and to use those tools. Um, crucially, first and foremost, the breathing technique, which enables them to take some control of their thoughts and their irrational you know, phobia to, to then 
think more logically, to relax, and, you know, reverse the, the, the cycle, really. Well, Captain, all right, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Hopefully people have been a little inspired to possibly delve more into why they don't like getting onto aircraft. But as I say, read this book. It does help. Captain, all right, thank you very much indeed for joining us on the show this evening. You're very welcome. Uh, really um, great to talk to you. I was chatting there with Captain Steve Allwright, and he's a British Airways training captain on the Boeing 747-400, and he's been a professional pilot since 1990. The book itself is also called Flying with Confidence. It's by Captain Steve Allwright and co-authored by Patricia Furness-Smith. It's published by Vermillion, and I'm sure, as he said, you can find that anywhere on Amazon or any of the other local books dealers they'll be able to order that for you if it's not available in south africa at the moment you should be able to um, get hold of a copy of that sabc sport has done it before and we are not about to stop catch all the live action on your favorite radio station kicking off a robust year it's bafana ofana in afcon 2015 from the 17th of january to the 8th of february and then the proteas look to shine at the 2015 cricket world cup from the 14th of february to the 29th of march and the box look to win the world cup from the 18th of september to the 31st of october sabc sport for the love of the game Yilungilolakwa is a heart-heating program dealing with consumer rights. We get the most informed experts to answer the most difficult questions. From fraud and corruption to protecting the rights of children. From purchasing faulty equipment to finalizing estates. We give you all the information you need to empower yourself. I am Alicia Jali. And I am Sipiwon Zaumbi. Tune into Yilungilolakwa Fridays between 1.30 and 2.30 in the afternoon only on SABC1. Financial freedom. Dumi, your face is all cut up. What happened? Car accident. Gloria is in hospital. Oh no! She hit her head really hard, eh? So they just need to do tests to make sure that there is no bleeding or internal damage. Hmm, that sounds terrible. I'm just on my way to see her. What hospital is she in? The best. That sounds expensive. Mm-mm. I made sure she had medical insurance. You can't take a chance with your life, you know? Good for you. Can I come with? That's fine. Let's go. Find out about insurance for all your risks. This episode is brought to you by Santa. Time to travel with Karen Key. Anel Portchet is back in the studio, and um, this evening she's going to be talking to us a little bit about where to shop at which markets and what you can buy there. And it's, oh, no, I'm going to be drooling all the way through this. If you want to follow Anel and find out where she's gone and what she's doing and what she's eating, you can have a look at her blog. It's lifeisazoobiscuit.com. Anel, you've been marketing. Where have you been? Good evening. Yes, hello. Good evening, Karen. I've been marketing at the Palms Market. This is in Cape Town. Yes. Mm. It's a small little authentic market at the Palms Decorn Lifestyle Centrum, and it's on every Saturday. But the interesting is that the the Decorn Lifestyle Centrum 
was originally the old William Bowman's bakery. Oh, they did biscuits. Yes, remember the Bowman's. Oh, no, 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 I'm giving away my age, but yes, <laughs> Bowman's biscuits, I remember them. Yes, and um, they are now called Baker's Cookies. Mm, I don't remember okay. the Baker's Biscuits. Mm, the Baker Baker's Man. Man. The Baker's Man. Oh, yeah. I can't remember this Baker's Baker Man. Baker Man yeah. can, yes. So mm. the Baker Man actually started there. Um, okay. So it's beautiful architecture, like old world architecture. So it really looks like you are in Paris oh, or anywhere does, in actually. the world. Yeah. There's extremely interesting people there. I'm going to start with, and, and I always believe, Corin, to. To, to get to know people, you have to eat your way through their food. Okay, can I, can I start? Yes. Because Anel came in here this evening with a jar of traditional Turkish pesto. Now, I've mm. eaten pesto before. I eat a lot of pesto. I've never had traditional Turkish pesto. Mm. And she gave me a little taste off the end of a spoon. Well, mm, I'm going to be licking my <laughs> lips all the way through this interview. That was the most delicious pesto I think I've ever had. It is the most delicious pesto. This is this Turkish guy. I couldn't actually convert with him because he's Turkish. Oh, no English. He's, no, no. Very, very, very okay. small bit of English. And I can't actually pronounce his name either. Um, but he's got this small little store there. And he sells these amazing pestos. I think you had a traditional one tonight. Mm, and then there's yes. another one that he mixes with a bit of olives. Um, and it doesn't taste like our, uh, our normal. No, it's it, complete. It tastes, I mean, I've eaten Turkish food. And yeah. the minute I put that in my mouth, it took me right back to when mm, I'd eaten Turkish food. Mm. It's so Moorish. And it's made out of different seeds and nuts mm, and tomato mm. and it is just so moorish and rich and you just want to t- tuck in and eat the whole thing with a spoon well, you yes. don't even want to put it on a biscuit no. <laughs> no. so that is a Turkish guy and then I'm, uh, then I'm very so very does he only sell it at the market? He, only, he sells at the market, he told me he's opened a shop but I couldn't oh. get the name from him in Woodstock somewhere we're selling like other Turkish stuff as well but I will come back with you with an answer on that one okay yeah and then I met Karen Hart. She's from Tuerkombais. Now, Tuerkombais in English is uh, Wizard Kitchen. Mm, okay. Yeah. And um, she makes homemade Romani creams, Ooh, but yummy. the white one as well, like a white chocolate Romani cream is to die for. And she told me the interesting story is that the three Japanese ladies used to come and um, eat every day, will buy every Saturday a cookie from her, and they will just buy one cookie, and they were the thin. Japanese girls and um, they each just had a bite of the cookie and they shared <laughs> each one shared one cookie they're better than me I don't think I would have shared that but anyway yeah and when they left they asked her to bake her a few big bowls of um, the Romani cream so they could take that with where were they from they were from New York. Oh, oh, so these went all the way back over to America. Yeah. Okay. South African handmade Romani creams. And then there's a lovely lady that makes the fantastic marmalade. And she actually won a marmalade prize, silver prize in London. Her name is Claire Yowell. And she made it, let me just see, what was the marmalade's name? It was lime, lemon, and ginger marmalade. How fantastic is that? Mm. A South African marmalade competing against... And wins a silver prize. And wins a silver prize. And then she's got other fantastic marmalades like chocolate orange marmalade, rum raisin orange marmalade, stuff that I've never heard of before. She's very innovative and, yeah, classic, 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 classic marmalades. Mm, guess we'll be on Saturday. <laughs> And then I met Ruben Riffle's niece there. Oh, right, the Ruben Riffle. He's on, on this year's of the upcoming MasterChef. Yeah, he's a judge at MasterChef. I'm looking forward to that. Mm. Yes, people that don't know who you are, tell people who you are. You were on Me. the first you were on the first series season of MasterChef. Yeah, I'm the person that got kicked out at the potato challenge. <laughs> 
and and the life as a zoo biscuit was because you went home and sulked and ate zoo biscuits exactly. for a month. Exactly. Mm. That's how I got to zoo biscuit. And I just couldn't believe that I'm out on a potato and I didn't touch potatoes for about six months. I didn't want to just see Just to spite them. That was it. <laughs> yeah. yeah no, okay. I was distraught and devastated. Well, I'm glad you're here. Well, Sarita Riffle makes the most amazing fit cooker Ooh. with mince. And with cheese. And then she makes her own preserve, like kumquat preserves and strawberry preserve. It is just delicious and to die for. Obviously runs in the family, this cooking thing. Yeah, very much in the mm. family. Yeah. And she's from French Hook. And then another meal that I love eating there is Isabella Niao. She's actually the coordinator of the market, is a quiches. Karen, you have never tasted a quiche till you've tasted Isabella's quiches. I get this, they sell it in this big fat slices and I just tuck in there and I eat the whole thing. So what sort of quiches now? Oh gosh, it's like bacon and mushroom and leek quiches. It is just to die for. I've never tasted a quiche so creamy and rich like that. You are just so full afterwards. But it, And then I always take a big slice with um, home for next day breakfast as well. I don't stop there. Mm, I don't okay. stop there. Okay, <laughs> and then there's another lovely lady called Lona. She is she's got a little stall with a very interesting girl called Lucy. Lucy is from England. She's been here for about I think four or five years, and they had stalls opposite each other. Um, Lona is Afrikaans and Lucy is British, so they just decided to st- make the, a stall together. So they've got their own little. They call it Lucy's Tea Garden. So Lucy does a traditional scone and tea, while Lona makes Cook Sisters. Okay. So they are Afrikaans and then this English-British girl. And I think it's a lovely story Mm. that these two met at the market and decided to combine their little stalls at the market. And they're so much fun and laughs. And, yeah, you can linger on at that their little table for quite a while very interesting there's also some sisters that are doing something what is the story yeah. with them yeah there's three sisters that's making delicious sauces and they call themselves easy peasy and they make delicious sauces as well as malva puddings that you can buy there frozen and you can take them home and just warm them up in your microwave nice they're lovely, I must say. Now, these three sisters decided to do this when the one sister was getting fed up with her husband <laughs> that was playing golf <laughs> on Saturdays, and she was getting bored. You see how innovative we can get when mm. your husband irritates you, huh, Corin? Gosh, what can we do? <laughs> yeah, so, so they made sauce. So they make these delicious sauces. And then as well, every Saturday there's live music at this market. Um, they've got wonderful music there. They've got Indian um, delights and Indian little wrappers there. They've got fresh, fresh mushrooms from Darling. You know, the one thing I can say about this market, it's not overpriced. I bought this big, beautiful bag of mushrooms um, for 30 rand. Well, that's um, not bad. N- not bad at all. And it's like the oyster pink, the oyster white, the shiitakes. It is just fantastic. It's not overpriced. And another thing is I've got parking, 300 parking spaces for free. And you don't have to pay. And it's undercover, especially in wintertime mm. now. You know, you can just pop in and no problem. Every second Saturday, there's a, I don't know what the English work is, Brukantemark. Um, it's like they do in the French Plateland where they sell out of boots these old, uh, not artifacts, old things like linen and porcelain and um, LP records and stuff. And I bought the most beautiful like 1950s, 60s handbag there, like a little pillbox handbag there. So you find all these little gems um, in these places. 
Karen. Now, the, the other thing about this, though, by, by mm. what you're telling me, there's no sort of commercialization. There's no sort of factory-made. It's all homemade mm. stuff. Is mm. Am I right? Yeah, I spoke to Isabella, and she says they only choose people that make their stuff at home. Oh, okay. Even like Dirk van Torner that bakes his bread. He bought a wood-fired oven that's in his home. There's no factories involved. Everybody works in the kitchens. The thing about Dirk van Torner is that his English is neat. <laughs> He's very English. Um, his father was a fantonder, but he told me that his father passed away a long time ago, so he's like completely English, like a English name like Dirk fantonder. <laughs> yeah, and he's Dirk bakes bread. Okay, <laughs> that's his name. Now, but now, okay, so this I'm sitting here feeling all sort of um, selfish about us having this fabulous market here. But you actually have a list of markets around the country. Mm. Have you visited any of these around the country? Yes, I visited um, the Harbour Bay Market. Well, in, that's in Hart Bay. Yeah, so, that's okay. in Hart in the City Bell Market uh, in Hope Street. That is lovely. It's on Thursdays and on Saturdays and it's also like a really communal mm. place. Um, and then the Neighbourhood Goods Market, the Biscuit Mall that everybody knows. And then if, if you haven't been to the Urania City Farm Market, that is just fantastic mm. because there you get your fresh produce. And I think on Wednesday evenings, you can go and pluck your own vegetables or go I think and that's harvest. Sheryl Lezinski, who was CEO of Cape Town Tourism mm. many years ago. That, I think that's her initiative. She yes. started that a while ago. Yes. And what about the rest of the people in the rest of the country? Okay. I've, I've put it out on Facebook to all my foodie friends, and they came up with these names of excellent markets. Um, and there's one in, there's in Kuzula Natal. They've got... They said the Shongweni Farmers and Craft Market and then the Food Market in Durban North. In Gauteng, I've been to the Pretoria Boerder Market. That's excellent. Then they've also suggested Greenland Goods Market, Four Ways Farmers Market, Neighbour Goods Market and Josie Food Market. And done in Bloemfontein, it's a Volksblatt, Kors and Kunstmark at the B- Botanical Gardens. So that's the food and art market, basically. Yeah. But Anil, thank you once again very much for joining us on the show. I look forward to you another sort of uh, venture into the food world. Thank, thank you, you so Karen. much. I was chatting there with Anil Portgitter, and if you'd like to follow her on her blog, it's lifeisazoobiscuit.com. And that's it for Time to Travel for this week. I'm Karen Key. Thanks for joining me this evening. And a reminder that if you need any information about something you've heard tonight, you can find it on Facebook, Travel on SAFM, or email me on travel at safm.co.za. And I'll be back with you again next Monday evening with The Law Report.